Welcome back to another episode of Touch Icing. I'm Tony Pickenich, Eric Johnson. Joined with us, Matt Maratea, big Philly guy. So we're going to get to that because there's a lot to talk about with the Flyers, uh, and they're struggling in their series with the Montreal Canadiens. But we're going to analyze uh, some of the playoff series that have already concluded. As we all know, there are a few. And uh, we're going to talk about some speculation possibly surrounding the Washington Capitals because there could be a lot changing after a five-game series loss to the New York Islanders. But let's dive in with Philly. Uh, They have game six against the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. And uh, it's been a very competitive series. Montreal is playing very well, a team that many thought would be outs in the uh, qualifying round of Pittsburgh has really put up a very good fight against uh, Philadelphia. Well, let me first off by saying no Trish fans. He is not here. No. Again. Couldn't get, I'm going to send him the invite one more time and I'm going to see if I can get him here. But you know, I'm watching the series between Philly and Montreal. They play so similar and it's a very defensive based series. Cause I'm looking at the shots on goal total. 28, 24, 23 for each side. Like, that's not what we've been used to seeing out of these other series. Like, we're watching Dallas Calgary right now. Those are like 30, 40 shots a game. But you go to Philly, Montreal, you're averaging, what, 25? Yeah. Yeah, around that. Uh, Go ahead, Matt. As a Philly fan, I wanted wanted to ask you, uh, what's it been like watching Philly? I wouldn't say struggle, but they're having a tough time with a definitely weaker Montreal team. Well, there's really two schools of thought, really, based uh, sort of on the Flyers' performance right now. One is that Montreal is giving them a struggle, which in some sense they are. Montreal as a team is built to play fast and play a physical game. They're not overly skilled in any area. They're big on defense, which frustrates the Flyers because they're not a great skating team. Uh, they pretty much rely on creativity and their top two lines and their depth, uh, you know, can be on fire and it can be, you know, shut out with a flick of the switch. Uh, defensively, they're you know, a little bit undisciplined and still very young outside of Matt Niskanen, who let's be honest, has, is on the back nine of his career. Yeah. The Flyers are overrated, essentially. They're not the number one team in the East. They happen to win that seed. People have been treating them like they are cup contenders and this is the year. It's not. In all likelihood, it's probably not. But they should beat Montreal. They're playing down to their level, which was the issue that I kind of was most worried about going into this playoff series. The Flyers have always played up to their opponents, and that's what's made you know, their round robin seem so impressive, beating all three teams ahead of them. But it's, they can't raise their level because Montreal is, in essence, a bad team. They're what, they were 24th in the league? It's an incredibly frustrating series to watch. It's entertaining from a standpoint yeah. of defensive hockey, and you know, things got a little bit feisty in the last game. But fan-wise, it's a little bit maddening. Now, one of the best players on the ice uh, last night in game four for Montreal was Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher obviously had some kind of fire uh, in game five last night. Uh, Brendan Gallagher obviously had some kind of fire lit under him after being benched in game four uh, toward the end and came out chirping, physical, every single shift. 
and his night ended with a Matt Niskanen cross-check to the jaw, which did actually result in a fractured jaw for Brendan Gallagher and a one-game suspension for Matt Niskanen. Now, uh, head coach Elaine Vigno uh, defended it, said it was a hockey play, and it's not Niskanen's fault that Gallagher was shorter than uh, Niskanen. But they are losing an experienced defender on the back end for a very important game six against a team in Montreal that really doesn't have anything to lose in this series. Well, the thing is with Gallagher, you know, we talk about Philly and how they're going to lose Niskanen. Let's just say, for kicks and giggles, Montreal comes back from a 3-1 deficit and wins this series. You're losing Brendan Gallagher for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. So that could be a bigger blow to Montreal then it ends up being the one game for Niskanen. Yes, Niskanen's a big part of the Flyers, but this could be huge for Montreal. You also got to yeah. think of the, the, the false sense of uh, confidence Montreal could have passed this season if they do beat Philly. They might think they're closer than they actually are. Well, I'm hearing Which, they're going to make an offer for the first overall pick. Yeah, I've heard that too. And it, it's really interesting to think about what that team could potentially, you know, scrounge together to make a decent enough offer that the Rangers actually consider it. Because I've heard the rumored offer is Domi. I think I've heard Cole Caulfield a first and maybe another prospect. D- depending on where their first lands this year, I, I, don't, I don't see that being enough. Especially, let's say they do advance two series and their pick is in the 20s. I – that you would need to throw in at least another first in the future, at least. It's so tough, you know. We've heard about the rumors about Ottawa, rumored to be offering the third and the fifth. And I feel like that would be the best chance to really pry that pick away from the Rangers, but they're they're not doing it. Yeah, Melnick said it's not happening. I have heard a rumored offer from the Kings. I don't know how true it is. The rumor offered I heard was second overall, both Kapari and Velarde. Wow. That's, that's pretty steep. That's a haul. And that, that would at least get the Rangers the same reaction that we just had there listening to that. Wow, that's a haul. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, they're going to look and see, well, what more can you do? Can you throw in, like, a third or a fourth here and there? But that's, that's a lot for one player. You're getting a one, lot of sense. One player who, as of right now, is just all potential. You don't know what he's going to be at the NHL level. And look, that's the same thing you're doing if you're Montreal, say, and you're trading Cole Caulfield and then your first-round pick. Not only are you trying to speed up your rebuild with a guy who's supposed to be able to jump right in, you're also evaluating that Carey Price isn't done. And if he is done, Caden Primo is the goalie of right now, which – I mean, that, that would be an interesting analysis on Montreal's part, for sure. Yeah, you're, Especially you're, if they got rid of Domi, who's, you're, you're basically what, their third leading got, scorer? Yeah, you're saying you got one last good chance, maybe two with Carey Price and Nett, or you have enough faith in Caden Primo right now. And is Primo even in the bubble with Montreal? Because he wasn't backing up Price last night. I don't know I think- Montreal's backup is. It's yeah, I think he's there. I think he's a press box guy, but I mean – both of their goalies have played, what, six games this year? Yeah. It's been all price. Yeah. But you think you at least have Primo on the bench just in case things got bad with Carey Price in a certain game? Bring mm-hmm. Primo in, get him some kind of playoff experience. 
and the the fact that Price has played that many games and is still doing this well, that's impressive, and that shows that he is one of the best goalies of all time. You also look at this and think Carey Price is doing this off to a very long layoff where he get get insanely yeah. rested. Does yeah. he have the ability to do this in April right after the season ends? I don't know if he still has that, but he came into this playoff pretty fresh, which could have a lot to do with the play he's currently having. Yeah, that could play a part in it too. You know, Carey Price, like we said, he plays a lot, but he's also injury prone. And I love Carey Price, but I've seen him get hurt way too much yeah. to put $10 million worth into Carey Price. To see this, uh, Mark Bergman must be grinning from ear to ear. It almost seems like it was all, it all paid off. It all meant, it was all it meant all, to it be. All, it all worked out. Uh, let's take a look at another series in the Eastern Conference that concluded because Montreal is the only one left. The Montreal Phillies are the only one still going. Uh, one that concluded tonight, the Islanders Capital Series. The Islanders basically dominated Washington for, I would say, at least three of those games. Like This should have been a sweep. It should have been. But we saw a surge from Ovechkin that really only Ovechkin has in them that he just took over game four mm-hmm. and went out and won the game for Washington. But the Islanders win tonight 4 nothing, two empty net goals at the end. But they are suffocating on defense. They did not let Washington get an opportunity after they took the one nothing lead. That's what I was telling Matt when we were watching the game. The Islanders' defense looks so good right now. And they're not guys that are going to be superstars. You're not going to see them be – you know, Eric Carlson or Drew Dowdy, they prove you don't need to have a superstar on that defense to be a good defensive hockey team. Their third pairing pairing tonight was Nick Letty and Andy Green, and they were shutting down basically everybody that came at them. And Washington, that's a high-scoring team. Yeah, Yeah. with a lot of firepower. Well, part of it is the Islanders' personnel. They are a a very good defensive team. And we've seen that sort of throughout as they've been coming up, right? Even back in the John Tavares era, they were a good defensive team that had enough pop and enough talent that they could beat you. And then add Barry Trotz into that, who is a defensive mastermind and someone who knows the Capitals about as intimately as any coach in the league, having, you know, coached them successfully to a Stanley Cup. It's... This series was a recipe for disaster for the Capitals. And I think it's really left them exposed and, you know, probably going to be facing some major changes. The Islanders so far are the only team that has advanced uh, out of the teams that made it out of the qualifying stage. And a win in this series sets up a round two matchup with either Philadelphia, if they win their series, or Tampa Bay. So... Let's put them against hypothetically against Philly if they, if Philly can finish off the Montreal Canadiens, which I think they will in Game Six. Um, if they shut down the goal scoring, they can they can put in one or two goals a game. It's it, it. This series might come down to how well Carter Hart could play against an Islanders team that doesn't generate a lot of chances a game, but they generate enough high quality chances to get enough goals and then suffocate you on defense. Now, here's what I like about the Islanders. I love a Barry Trotz coached goalie. I'm not saying I love Semyon Varlamov. I'm saying I love a Barry Trotz coached goalie. Pecorine, Braden Holpe, and we'll talk about Holpe in a little bit. 
But Varlamov, this is arguably since that one random Vesna candidate year, this is the best I've seen Varlamov play in a long time. Yeah. He's shutting down Florida, Washington, two of the most high-powered offenses in the league, shutting them down. Varlamov's playing out of his mind right now, and so is Carter Hart. So if you're seeing Philly Islanders, two good goalie matchups, I don't think you're going to see a lot of scoring that series. But I want to talk about, let's just say, Islanders, Tampa Bay. That sounds so much fun. Can the Islanders shut down Kucherov and company? (laughs) I don't think they have to worry about Stamkos. I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to be back. I don't think he's going to be back in time either. Real quick, real quick of Varlamov. Uh, I like the way he's playing too, but a lot of it is the defense keeps a lot of shots to the outside. With that being said, when they need Semyon Varlamov to make a save, he makes it. He's there. Go, Go ahead, Matt. See, the thing about the Islanders and, you know, the matchups like they, you know, handle the Capitals easily, you know, beat up the Panthers, those are run and gun teams. If they were to, say, match up with the Flyers in the next round, the Flyers are very much a puck possession team, a puck movement team that needs their offense to be sort of creatively based. It has to come – the Flyers don't score a lot of unassisted goals off the rush. In fact, they score practically none, which is an infuriating thing in and of itself. But the Flyers have a tic-tac-toe style that's going to be a lot harder for the Islanders – to contend with. Like if you get Andy Green caught on an island between Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier making passes, that's something that they would be able to exploit. I think the Islanders stylistically would actually match up better with the Tampa Bay. And, and that's interesting because you look at Philly and Tampa Bay and you say, which one is the better team? It, you know, Philly is higher in the standings because of the round robin, yeah. but you look at the firepower, you look at, the ability of the goaltenders, Vasilevsky being a very good goaltender in Tampa Bay. You look and say, which one's the better team? I'd say you lean Tampa Bay, but that their style does play into the Islanders at least a little bit. And Vasilevsky looks like he showed some chinks in the armor, at least lately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of faith in Vasilevsky when it comes to later rounds of the playoffs because mm-hmm. to be – Honest, we haven't seen that much of it. We yep. haven't seen a ton of it. But if it comes down to the, the Islanders needing to put in a couple goals, they, they score a lot of goals. They're hardworking goals. Pavillier is a very capable guy to score goals for the Islanders. He had two tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he gets to the dirty areas to score. It might just be the Islanders have enough guys that will uh, disrupt the Tampa Bay system and frustrate them to the point where Tampa Bay can't, compete on rushing the other way because the Islanders have it such locked in in the offensive zone. These could be like three, two, two, one games, but I think that plays in the Islanders better and the Islanders could win that series too. Yeah. I can see the Islanders completely making the conference finals. Yeah. Um, I I think it's possible. Got a, got an interesting tweet from Mark Spector. Got some, got some breaking news after contacting both sides. Our conclusion is we expect Jesse Pugliarvi to sign a contract and return for Oilers training camp in the fall. Interesting. So Pugliarvi back to Edmonton. Good for Pulley. He got what he, he, he's coming back. He got, 
I, I don't know if he's completely happy being in Edmonton, but he's coming back. He's coming back. Dreisaitl's happy. McDavid's happy. Ken Holland must be thrilled. Yeah, what a what a move by Ken Holland, getting him to actually come back. I mean, but do they really the... need any more offense? <laughs> yes. No. I mean, yes, they do. Offense really wouldn't be the part of their team I'm worried about that much. It's wingers. But listen, it's another piece, and it, it looked like Holland was going to have to move him, and now he doesn't have to. He's coming back. Mm. It, it's a great move for Ken Holland. Let, let's talk Capitals. They were the lo- on the losing yeah. side of this Islander series, yeah. and there's two pieces of this team I really look at as I don't know if they're coming back, two major pieces. Uh, the first one being goaltender Brayton Holpe. I believe he's played his last game in a Capitals uniform. I do too. I think he would demand too much money to come back and play for Washington. But if there was a team he was going to take a discount to come back to, it is the Washington Capitals. I just just don't see him playing another game in a Capitals uniform, though. I don't either because we saw a lot of Samsonov this year. Yeah, and enough to the point where he could actually take over the reins and be the starting goaltender in Washington. And enough to the point where if I were Todd Reardon, I'd be confident passing the torch – to Samsonov. Now, where does Hope go? We can begin the speculation. I've heard multiple teams linked to him. Colorado, Carolina are the two that I've heard. I've heard Ottawa getting thrown around in there. So there's a lot of places where Holtby could go, and I think he'd be a good goaltender in any of those three places I mentioned. That's the part that's questionable, him being a good goaltender somewhere. He didn't have a great year this year. He didn't have like a, a ter- he didn't have a really bad year, of course. But aside from that one playoff run, there's never been a time where I've looked at Brayden Holpe and been like, he's a goalie I can see taking over a series, stealing games, stealing wins, and dragging a team to a Stanley Cup final. Like kind of like what Carey Price could do if he had a little bit better of a team around him. Yeah. I, I just don't see it at a Brayton Holpe anymore. I don't really know if I ever saw it outside of 2018, but I, I definitely don't see it now. I don't either. And I like Holpe. But yeah. if, I'm a, if I'm a NHL general manager, and you guys can agree, disagree, after seeing the Bobrovsky contract, I'm not giving Brayton Holpe $10 million a year. It makes you step back. It does. Mm-hmm. It makes you step back and go, uh, it would it be better for me to just develop somebody within your organization. Or find a Bra- cheaper Bra- option else, elsewhere. Brayton Holpe's in like a weird – he's a, in a weird in-between stage in his career, right? Because he's not that, right? He's certainly still a good goalie. But relying on him as a starter is questionable at this point, right? He's 30 years old. He's not quite like Brian Elliott, who's always going to be a 1B in a 1A, 1B situation, but he's not going to be a 1A that plays 60 games a year anymore. Yeah, that's not – he doesn't have that in him anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, he could still play 60 games. You're just not going to get the results you want. Yeah. And that's the problem. And if you're a team that really feels like you're a goaltender away from being a Stanley Cup contender, can you really look at Braden Holpe and be like, that's the guy? Yeah. Two years ago, yeah. I don't think that there's any such thing in this league where a team has one missing piece for a Stanley Cup. 
Like, I don't think Phil Kessel was the missing piece that got Pittsburgh over the top. I think no. that was Mike Sullivan oh, no. and Matt Murray seven. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Ryan O'Reilly was the missing piece for the Blues either. I think you saw a damn good goalie in Jordan Bennington. And again, same thing, coaching with Craig Berube, and you saw a big breakout in some really good, important players. Yeah, I, I just don't see a situation where Braden Holpe walks into a team and it goes insanely well. It'll go well for Holpe because he'll be getting paid. But I can't see a situation where it goes insanely well for the team that brings Holpe in. It might if he goes to Chicago. I could see that working out. The only problem I see with Chicago is, let's be honest, it's it's the tail end of that Taves Kane dynasty. Sure, but and, they have Kirby Doc. Oh, definitely, definitely. Rome, Kubalik. Definitely. And when those players I think are really starting to come into their own and compete for a Stanley Cup, you might be looking at a we don't know the decline hope he's gonna have after this year. You might be looking at a 34, 35-year-old Brayden Holpe who just does not have it anymore. Then he's a huge contract on your cap to be basically a backup goaltender. Yeah, but, I mean, I think they'll take anybody who would give them stability at this point yeah. after the rocky road that is Corey Crawford. Yeah, and the, yeah. the injury-riddled road that is Corey Crawford. Yeah. You look good this playoffs, but I wouldn't re-sign Corey Crawford. I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. If I yeah. were if I were a team like Edmonton, I'd sign him to a one year deal. Yeah, I, I if I was any team in the league, I would not look past one year for Corey Crawford because he could get injured next year. He can just have another dip in production. It, it's it's a tough goalie situation where you say his best years are definitely behind him, but can he recapture some of that magic he had earlier in his career? He looked good in this playoff, but is that really a marker to tell us what's coming in the future? No. Mm. Uh, the other piece I want to look at at uh, Washington and potentially not coming back, head coach uh, Todd Reardon. Could he have coached his last game behind the bench for the Washington Capitals? I, it oh. would surprise me. Yeah. And I see a head coach in Gerard Gallant who said when there was rumors about him taking the jersey job that he wanted a better roster to work with. That's a, roster, that's a much better roster to work with. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that I think if Gerard Gallant goes there, he can finally lift his Stanley Cup. I fully believe that. If you can't beat him, join him for Gerard no. Gallant. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I think Todd Reardon is going to leave the Washington Capitals job uh, faster than the hair left the top of his head. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's such an attractive job. Yeah. <laughs> coaching well, being Ovechkin? hair on Todd Reardon's head or being the coach of Both. I mean, come on. Both. A lot of prime real estate there on Reardon's head. But <laughs> on the other hand, you also get to coach Ovechkin in the other situation. So. And Backstrom. <laughs> and Backstrom and Carlson. Uh, in a way, I'm, I'm starting to worry about Nick Backstrom, too. He's getting up there in age. Yeah. And I he just doesn't, doesn't seem to show – I mean, you know, Soviet machine never breaks, right? Yeah. Backstrom Swedish, so he's broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Volvo's can break, or Volvo's finish. His his value, I think Volvo's are. 
Finnish sounds more right than Swedish for some reason. Yeah. But I, I think with uh, Backstrom, his oh, value is no. still kind of high. Lunda and Grottenberg, Sweden. Yes. Right, well, you got one. Good, good for you. I, I still think Backstrom's value is kind of high, and you still will be able to get a decent amount back from It's. I think trading Backstrom, though, I don't think Ovechkin would be happy with that. And if you're watching it, at the end of the day, you've got to keep Ovechkin happy because he yeah. is – He's the legs of that team. It, it's not going anywhere without him. Yeah. And if he wants Backstrom, get, Backstrom's going to be there. I do think Kovalchuk's going to leave, though. I think Same. he's going to Montreal. Same. I don't think he has they, – they, they had to do so much maneuvering to fit him under the cap and everything. I think Montreal's eating half of his contract, isn't he? It was the dream duo. Yeah. couldn't lose till it did. Till like the it was Islanders. meant to be, yeah. Watching Andy Green hug Ilya Kovalchuk in that handshake line brought me some kind of sweet justice. I was like, yeah, the good guy won. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, the other series in the Eastern Conference that concluded, concluded uh, Tampa over Columbus. I really thought Columbus was going to win this series. Uh, Jonas Corposalo deserved better. That 85-save performance in the quintuple overtime game just to lose. And they blow a lead late in game five just to have their season ended by Braden Point. Yeah. Off a god awful turnover, too. In a, a terrible turnover in their own end. How do you do that? How do you make that turnover? Columbus. Columbus. That, also, that, that, that turnover will literally, that'll keep John Tortorella up for the rest of his life. I was just going to say, y'all see Tortorella's press conference yeah. after the game? Yeah, walked out after 35 seconds. I mean, I'm not surprised. No, neither am I. It's classic Tortorella. Yeah. I I watched that. I didn't actually watch that game. I had to watch the highlights after. And I saw – I did watch. I watched the whole game. Was it Savard behind the net who made that pass around back after getting the puck from Corpusalo? He has a right to brain point. I watched. I'm like, what is he doing? I literally said that out loud as he passed the puck. I'm like, what, what is he doing? <laughs> John Tortorella is going to kill him. What is he doing? It's just Columbus had a very good season after losing all that they lost in free agency. I, they lost potentially the MVP of this season in Artemi Panarin. You know, they lose Sergei Bobrovsky, who was good for them last year. They lose to Zingle and uh, to Shane. But you got to give props to John Tortorella and the job he did with that team. He brought up a lot of players because they were injured a lot during the season, and they all seemed to step in and work. A lot of that's the Tortorella system there. Pierre-Luc Dubois had a good year, had a decent playoff. And there's not much more you can say about John Tortorella and the job he did with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't get how free agents don't want to go to Columbus. Like, I know it's not really a hockey town. Location. It's only location. But there is a good team and a damn good coach there. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it last free agency because you don't know how the team is going to respond to losing all that talent. But now you see it. Yeah. Now it's like, come on. And you see how much talent they lost in season due to injuries. And we're still this good. Yeah. I mean, I I think they're going to have around $5 million in cap space. Uh, There's not really anybody coming off the books except for – the contract of Fetter Tootin, finally. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
I didn't oh, know. Oh, the end of an era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. He, he's their buyout. It's just ending. They still got one more year at uh, 1.25 mil to Scotty Hartnell. Oh, Scott Hartnell. But I think uh, I mean, Columbus really is a team that might be one guy away, especially yeah. if they can continue to ride this duo of Corpusalo and Merz Lincolns. And they got two absolute cornerstones on the back end in Wierenski and Jones. Yeah. Yeah, that's not getting split up anytime soon. No, a pairing that could last for the next decade mm-hmm. there in Columbus. Tampa, on the other hand, advances. I really thought Tampa was going to lose this series. I had Tampa go into the Stanley Cup final, so I thought Tampa was going to win. I had Carolina. Look how that turned out. Well, I had Carolina too, and we'll get to Carolina in a bit. But game seven, man, I thought it was going to go to game seven this series. This series was – this was the one to go to seven games. Yeah. It, what we it, saw it, in game one. It seemed like it deserved it, right? After and everything – Every game was close for the most part. It seemed like this was going to be the series that went to seven, but the turnovers for Columbus and the bad penalties they took, it was just too much to overcome. I think it was, the, I think it was the Wierenski injury too. I mean, Scott Harrington was playing yeah. too many minutes. I don't think Harrington's bad, but he's not Zach Wierenski. No, no. You can't fill that hole. It's the old adage, styles make fights. And Tampa Bay and Columbus just match up so well stylistically to create fast – entertaining uh hockey and then you've got you know such a dichotomy between the coaches right you've got one bench with you know john cooper who you know looks like he's trying a simple civil suit (laughs) over there and then you've got john tortorella who looks like he's about to tear onto the ice and throw down with the officials it's just i could watch them play every year in the playoffs John Tortorella's sweater during the regular season broke out the track suit in the playoffs. Yes. The, him and his whole staff, full track suits. And then you got John Cooper, quiet, calming, behind the bench. Yeah. John Tortorella's Cooper screaming. Like he, John Cooper looks like he wears a turtleneck as like a casual outfit. Yeah. Meanwhile, you can see Tortorella's nipples in between his screaming. It's just – I hope Tortorella never goes away. I know eventually, like, he's just going to grate on these players and he'll get fired and he'll be off for a year. But I hope Tortorella just keeps getting jobs. I'll say as a Devils fan, I hated him in New York. Really did. Couldn't stand him. Loved him. I know Vancouver fans that love him in Vancouver. I loved him in Vancouver. I love him in Columbus. Yeah. What are you going to say? We need him to be an analyst when he does go. (laughs) I don't think he has the time for it. Yeah. Like, imagine him in between periods. He'd be ripping into players. Uh, the last series in the East, Boston, Carolina. I, I said it uh, right after the qualifying round. I don't see anybody beating Carolina. And then Boston went out and beat Carolina because, of course, they did. I mean, it, they made it easy with no Svechnikov and no Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. And your goalies are James Reimer and Peter Morazic. Also, Not Jack great. Edwards was wrong. Jack Edwards, no. No, Char Jack Edwards, not. no. Char uh, did not run into Andrei Svechnikov. That's not what happened. And that's not the point. Dude, Svechnikov's ankle folded. It did. Folded when Char put his weight on him. 
he was the best player for Carolina during the yeah. Rangers series and during the games against Boston. And it's almost like that took all the wind out of their sail. Which is and, sad because they should have played better. And Boston's a great team. I, Boston would be my Eastern Cup or Eastern Conference representative for the Cup. Even with no Tuca? Well, maybe not now. But yeah, I, I can't put trust this. in Yaroslav Halak. I cannot do it. Can't do it. I do love me some Halak Ness monster. But yeah, but I can't yeah. do it. Not over Tuca. It was just – it was so wild to me as a Flyers fan, you know, in the round robin because they started uh, Halak in the game against the Flyers. And I'm looking at this, and it had been, what, 10 years since the Flyers played him when he was on Montreal, and he was this revelation in net. And they're like, oh, we've got a controversy. Is it Price or is it Halak? And then Halak began his journeyman years. He fed that to a nice – Fat contract in free agents. Oh yeah, yeah. With what? What was it? St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. Yep. Calgary's are really about to. Bl- Calgary's really about to blow this three nothing lead. It's three two in this Calgary game in game six. Yeah, and, yeah. and one minute into the second. Yeah. So, Car- what one thing? Carolina is going to be a very good team for years to come. Agreed. Especially because a star. Aho's a star. And they have two firsts this year in yeah. the draft. One in the top 15. Thanks, Toronto. Toronto pick. Yeah, thanks, Toronto. For eating Patrick Marlowe's contract. That's so – I mean, I, oh. You oh. ate a $5.3 million cap hit, and all you got was the 13th overall pick in the draft. Hmm. Every team would have made that deal. Every team that could have oh, made that deal with the yes. cap would have. Apparently – who was it? Somebody tried. I think it was Dallas that tried to do it. Makes sense. But Mar- Marlowe in a Dallas uniform would look even weirder than Marlo Pavelski in a Dallas uniform does. Marlowe, he would have never played a game. Yeah, no. Carolina tried. Carolina had the conversation with Patrick Marlowe, like, will you come play for us? He's like, no. So, all right. And it's Bye amazing out. because I'd rather play for Carolina right now than Pittsburgh, and that's saying something. I would rather play mm-hmm. for Carolina than San Jose. Yeah. Which is where he chose to go, back home. Just have San Jose trade him. Yeah. So, if you've been following us on this podcast, we, we've crapped on Buffalo a couple weeks ago with the whole Jack Eichel thing. Yeah. We've crapped on Edmonton recently for what they're doing in free agency. Losing. Now, it's time, now it's time to cr- for our long-awaited crapping on Arizona. Mm. Because mm. this one's overdue. Whoa. You, you gave up 14 goals in two games. Mm. Outscored 14-2. to two. In game six, uh, in games uh, four and five, how'd they win a game? Good question. Still don't know. They allowed, uh, I think, twenty-two goals in five games. Yes, which is not a not a winning formula. Not what you want to do. No, by any means. How'd they beat Nashville? Is it John Hines? Is it John Hines coaching? I thought Nashville was going to win. Nashville is bad. It's as simple as that. I've heard there's going to be a lot of changes to that team in free agency too. I don't know what they are, but Nashville's attempts window has closed. It's over. I think for them, I I think it's closed too. I don't think you're not getting, you know, Trish said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he's right. You're not getting anywhere with that head coach. No. Now, before we dive into Arizona, because there's a lot to dive into. It's just, it's, it's just piles and piles of crap, but Colorado fantastic overwhelmed them. 
goaltending was stellar. My cup pick. Yeah, I, I'm between them and Vegas. I it's so close between those two teams to me. And listen, even next year I could see it being them and Vegas again, and the year after that. It's gonna be a fun rivalry for years. Yeah. Now, it was just way to, Arizona. Arizona was checked out. Game four. Nashville tired them big time. Oh, yeah. You could tell after when they got down in game four, it was like, okay, that's it. They, they weren't playing motivated at all. They, they barely came out in game five. But it was just way too much for Arizona. Let's go to Arizona. Now, if I'm Taylor Hall and I'm looking and I just see 14-2 outscored over these past two games, does that Dallas make just tied it. Arizona? You the are stars just tied way it. ahead of us. You are, yeah. You're oh, wow. 15 seconds ahead of me. How? That's a bad goal, too. Okay. Cam Talbot, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. This, this series for goaltending has just been a blast, huh? Hasn't it? Neither of these teams possess any capability to beat either Colorado or Vegas. No. No. Uh, so, Arizona. Perhaps the, one of the biggest free agent forwards, Taylor Hall, contract up after this year. And he wants to chase money. He didn't have a good series against Colorado by any means. He had one goal in game three. Ooh. Granted, it was like like 12% of the goals scored by Arizona in that series. Yeah, but he's going to try to parlay that into a $9 million contract? No. Talbot's out. Makes sense. Remember we were talking about pulling Hudobin a little bit, a little bit yeah. back? I pulled Talbot too. That is not a good goal. Oh, uh, that, that looks like he got tipped on the way in. Big save, Dave, baby. Here we go. Oh, look at Pavelski. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Reddick making his playoff debut. Here we go. Arizona gave up uh, Kevin Ball, Nick Merkley, I think Nate Schnarr. Correct. A third that could be a second if Hall resigns. And a first for Taylor Hall and Blake Spears. Back in December, when they were at the top of the Pacific Division, great Looking move. Great, great move. Mm-hmm. But now, they shouldn't have made the playoffs. The qualifying round was a gift for them. I was looking at them as one of the teams we were talking about a couple weeks ago. They could have used Lafreniere. Huge. Yeah, they really could have. It would have given a jolt. I'm not saying it's the right call to win that series, but they got – I think the word we're looking for is exposed. Yeah. They were exposed by Colorado. Now, if they got an aging Phil Kessel. I don't think he's any kind of answer to any kind of question they have there in Arizona. I think Hall is all but gone. Unless they throw a ridiculous number at him, he's not staying. The, they have the only arena thing, troubles. They have what? They have arena troubles. Yeah, they have. They're they're in the the doghouse with the league right now for uh, some prospect stuff. Oh man, they were the baby of the league for they were and fifteen years, and then the, their shiny new toy in Vegas came is, in. Is the only good thing they have Oliver Ekman Larson and the two goaltenders? Is that it? No, I'll say Connor. I, I would say no. That. Look, they they got some young talent that's still developing. Nick Schmaltz is twenty three. Clayton Keller is only twenty one years old. Connor Garland's twenty three. Christian Dvorak, 
23. Lawson I mean, Krause, too. Yeah, Lawson Krause. He's only 22. Jacob Chukrin is 21. They have a very young core. It, you could throw a guy in like Vinny Heinestrosa, who's only 25. He could develop into a veteran leader sooner rather than later. Right? There's a lot of young talent here. I, I think defensively, we know how well they typically structure. Uh, you know, Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta may not be the answers in goal, but I still think that there's going to be a lot of growth. They're eventually going to have more people coming up the pike. Uh, OLE is a guy who's going to eventually, I think he should be in the Norris Trophy conversation at some point within the next year or two. Uh, I mean, well, I, just, I think that prevents him from being in it is literally the market. It's probably exposure, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. I also didn't know how many former Blackhawk players or draft picks you named in that list. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Speaking of which, Marion Hosa could always come back. He's still under contract for two Hockey more Hall years. Of- he's in the Hall of Fame Hockey. now. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a Gordy Howell. Although, speaking of Hall of Fame and the Coyotes, as we know, the Coyotes were the Winnipeg Jets, and we lost Dale Howardchuk on Tuesday. Yes, his battle with stomach cancer. Second battle, yeah. and that's tough. And we... a, a guy who his ability is severely overlooked, mostly because of when he played. You know, you're always playing in Gretzky's shadow. Mm-hmm with how good he was and where he played. It's tough to make a star in Winnipeg. And he should have been one. He, he was, was one, that good of a player. But he, he should have been a lot. He should have been bigger. Yeah. He was a star in Winnipeg. He should have been a star league a, one. A, a league star, yeah. not just a Jets star. And he, he embraced the city of Winnipeg. And it, it's just it's, – it's a tough loss. Because he touched so many players around the league. Um, it's just tough for the hockey community. 1,409. 1409. Dallas did it. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Big save, Dave. What are you doing? 1,409. What was he doing? <laughs> oh, man. Calgary. What goal is that? It's big, uh, Dave Riddich is, is, is way out of his crease. Oh, he should have had that with the stick, too. Oh, man. I think Rasmus, uh, you know, got in on that one and prevented him from actually getting it to it. Oh, oh Fasca got in there. <laughs> now Calgary's called their timeout. Oh, jeez. Oh, naturally, Corey Perry standing over a fallen opponent. Go figure. This could be like an 8-8 game and going overtime, isn't it? Yeah. That'll be uh, fun. Next series we're going to look at in the West, the 1-8, Vegas, Chicago. And it's another one of those things. It, Vegas just had way too much firepower for Chicago to handle. They Although just this, outplayed this, them. If I'm Chicago, I'm holding my head high. Oh, definitely. They put up a fight a lot of those games. I mean, they won a game. They took yeah. them to overtime. Yeah. It's just uh, the goaltending tandem of Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. It, it's a brick wall when it needs to be. Simple yep. as that. And you I know, think they should have really won that last game, Chicago. Uh, close loss, 4-3. But 
Puck luck is on Vegas' side as they advance to the next round. Kirby Doc is going to be a star. He is. An and absolute I, star in this I know. I know a couple people criticized Chicago for taking Doc, but I think they made the right call. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's why I think it, it, if Chicago can get a goalie and, you know, maybe a guy in free agency, they have one last, you know, legit run left in them. Okay, because Kirby Doc is – I think his star is going to arrive next season. I think you're going to see Slater Cuckoo evolve into, you know, a big minutes guy, you know, as early as next year. They, they've got one last year with the core, with Patrick Kane, with Toes, with Duncan Keith, who is starting to enter the ageless category. Seabrook, who didn't play this uh, tournament, yeah. is still there. Yeah, yeah, I don't count him. Okay. Oh, my God. He's a part of that core. Cam Talbot. Yeah, yeah not one that's holding up. That's Cam true. Talbot, five saves on eight shots for a 625 save percentage in 23 minutes. Dude, oh, why? Dallas isn't getting many shots. Wow. <laughs> no, not at all, really. They had five in the first period. David Riddick has only faced three shots less than Cam Talbot had. Oh, JD. Oh, JD. He still ain't doing great, but better than Cam Talbot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Chicago could have one last gasp, and then it's just going to be tough because I think a team like Colorado is only getting better. And if Colorado doesn't yeah. win this year, I think they're going to win next year. Same with Vegas. Yeah. It's just hard for me to see. If Chicago can take down one of those teams in the early round next year, they, they do have enough. That's the last shot. Everything on the line. Last shot at the cup. And there's other good teams, too. St. Louis is getting there. Yeah. Vancouver is a young team. Vancouver is going to have – I don't think – I'm trying to compare it to something. You know how Washington got the one year that Pittsburgh didn't have and stuff like that? Yeah. I think Vancouver's going to have that one year that, like, a Colorado or Vegas doesn't have. And Colorado and Vancouver's going to win the Stanley Cup at some point. I'd say they're two years away because I think this year's going to be Vegas, next year Colorado. year after that, Vancouver could make a run. Because this core is looking really, really they're good. They're really good. Mm-hmm. They're a really good team. And I do have Vancouver winning that series against St. Louis. And let me tell you, fun, fun series to watch. Oh, really team. fun. Not because, I'm a, not because I'm a fan of Vancouver, but because it is the games are just so damn entertaining and nail-biting every single time. St. Louis blew that 3-1 lead last night, man. And I'm rooting for St. Louis because I'm a Devils fan and I want the higher draft pick from Vancouver. But watching the Canucks work, watching Quinn Hughes take it up the ice and Elias Pettersson control the puck in the offensive zone, you just look at it and think, these guys are only in their early 20s? How? How? It's ridiculous. I got to give a lot of it to the coach. You know, yeah, Travis Green. And the sad part is we've watched Travis Green play. <laughs> like, it's not really that long since he played. And he is teaching these guys like he's been in the game for many, many years. Yeah. And everything about this team is just making me smile. I love it. And I'm ready for the Canucks to dominate. Markstrom has been great in net as well. It's it, they're they're a fun team. 
Yeah. And there's concerns on St. Louis. A lot. Jordan Bennington hasn't been there. Last year they were getting the saves. This year they are not getting the saves. Jake St. Allen came in and played pretty good, though, these last three games. St. Louis just doesn't feel like the team from last year. And I know the, the boys are all back, but this doesn't feel like the right – Oh, man. Five, three, Pavelski. Oh, again. Oh, man. Is that what we're titling this episode? The Collapse of the Flames? Oh, man. This has been – if you listen to this episode start to finish, it is a roller coaster. It is a glass case of emotions. Oh, man. Calgary. Oh, this is the collapse they need to trade Johnny Gaudreau to New Jersey. Now, with St. Louis, Jake Allen plays great. I think Jordan Bennington gets the start in game six. I've heard that it's going to be Bennington getting the start in game six. I've heard Edler's questionable. Yeah. But another wild card for Vancouver. I heard Tyler Toffoli's aiming for a return in game seven. Which is another piece that they get. What a game last night from uh, Tyler Mott on Vancouver. Applesauce, baby. Two goals. What a game. Two goals. Oh, man. Amazing performance. My Twitter for about two hours was just a Tyler Mott stan account. We stand Tyler Mott here. We always will stand Tyler Mott. And I hope he listens to this one day because we agree with Tyler Mott. St. Louis oh, I mean, seems like they're missing something, man. I don't know what. Eric, my first text to you within seconds was applesauce. Applesauce, baby. That's... And then this, and then the second one is like a second helping of applesauce. You, you love the double stuff, applesauce. Oh, yeah. The turning point in that game last night when Markstrom like, threw himself back at the crease to make that blocker save. Yeah. He also made that ridiculous leg save. I was watching yeah. it. My brother looked and went, oh, man, St. Louis is going to blow this game. I. A little bit, I knew it too because I bet on St. Louis. So, of course, St. Mm-hmm. Louis is going to lose that game. Every team I bet on has been losing lately. I but, think that Vancouver might have awoken a sleeping giant. That's the only problem. I think they needed some time to get themselves right. I think if they do put Bennington back in, uh, something has got to click. Because, I mean, you saw it. They jumped out to that 3-1 lead. Yeah, They looked – like they had almost turned the corner, but you know, they, they just, you know, they fell off the edge just that little bit in giving up, you know, that game. I don't think that's something that's going to happen again to them. Maybe putting Biddington in provides a little bit of a spark for St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Like, Hey, He's our still- guy's back. He's here. He has a rest. He's a little rejuvenated. He's coming in to win these last two games for us. I don't think they can, but that, I think that's the hope on, uh, for Barubi. I think, oh, yeah. I think Vancouver is winning one of these next two games, and I think they're going to move on to play Vegas. Probably. How does that make you get feel? Crowned, if that How does that make you feel, Eric, rooting for Vancouver? Vegas, Vancouver. Let me tell you, you want offensive firepower in a series? Yeah, you're don't play. It. If, it's, if, if it's Islanders, Flyers, and there's not going to be a lot of shooting, like I predict, you're going to make up for it in Vegas, Vancouver. Yeah. It might come down to who makes the more timely save. Yeah. And Robin Leonard looks like the guy in Vegas right now. Although they could switch back to Florida. We don't know. But the, I, the, I, I, I lean Leonard over Markstrom first. That goalie tandem in Vegas, I have it, full it's confidence insane. in. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The last series we're going to look at is the game we're looking at right now. When this podcast started, it was, it was a 3 nothing Calgary. 
Three nothing. Yes. Dallas. It's five three Dallas at the moment. Halfway through the game, just hit the halfway mark. Dallas is sixteen shots on goal. Five have gone in. I really thought Calgary was going to win this series because I had zero faith in Anton Budobin. I had zero faith in the Dallas Stars. I do not think they can win in the next round. With that being said, Calgary is terrible. They what? have no defense. None. Never mind what happened in this, this last game. What has happened to the Calgary Flames? <laughs> Kachuk getting hurt is a decent amount of this, but yeah. they should be playing better. Yes. Agreed. Well, also, also, when was Cam Talbot ever like a number one goalie? Ever. When, when he was good in the Rangers, I really thought it would have made more sense to trade Lundqvist than Talbot, and I stand by that. There was a lot of time when the Rangers had backup goalies that we thought were going to be the next big thing. Auntie Ranta. No. Well, there who? Was, who there was a thinking? week. There was a week or two, and Matt will probably remember this, where Steve Valaket was playing out of his mind. With the Spider-Man mask? With the Spider-Man mask. Everybody's okay, like, that dude is actually good, though. He's, he's going to replace Lundqvist. He's going to replace Lundqvist, and he's currently a studio analyst. And <laughs> I mean, he's... Cam Talbot with the Ghostbusters mask, though, yeah. was pretty, pretty fire. He was... So, I, I, there were nights where I would watch the Devils, and the Devils were bad, so the Rangers were starting their backup. So Talbot was playing. And I was like, oh, damn, we got to face Cam Talbot? I'd kind of rather face Lundqvist. Well, that, that, frankly, that's just incorrect. But Cam Talbot is a decent goalie, right? He's okay. He's not going to yeah. be able to carry a team through the playoffs. And what I love about the Dallas-Calgary series is that these are like mirror image teams, right? Neither of them have defensemen that can really play defense, apart from Mark Giordano. And yeah. both have a group of forwards that is so incredibly easy to dislike and to hate. So watching them bash each other and try to rip each other limb from limb has been thoroughly entertaining. Is there a true starting goaltender in the province of Alberta right now? Between Edmonton and Calgary? No. No, I don't there's think there's silence. Either. There's silence because there's uh-huh. nothing. I'm trying I mean, to think does who the Mika, closest does Mika one Kippersoft still live in, in, in Calgary? It's probably a better option than Mike Smith. I know Calgary's got good goaltending prospects. I don't know if they're ready or not, but um, they might have to be soon. They might have to be really soon. Yeah. Like the third period. Really, soon. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody make the call. Hey, can we, does anybody have Tyler Parsons' phone number? Can we give him a jingle? I feel like a lot of this series has just been Calgary imploding. This Calgary, game, Calgary could win this series. They, they could. Really oh, they definitely could. I mean, yeah. look at the game where they tied it up 4-4 in the third period and then just to lose with 40 seconds left. They should have won that game. They had all momentum going their way, and then they burned out. It's Calgary. Yeah, I guess so. It's basically the story of the Flames. Man, Stars' abs, though, could be second round. I don't think yeah, Stars' Vegas, yeah. I, I think I think the Avalanche in Vegas killed their second round opponent. 
The conference Probably. finals is going to be so much yeah. fun. Yeah, but but Dallas, Colorado could also turn out to be a little bit of a bloodbath. Yeah, which yeah. I'm always for. Yeah, I love a throwback to the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Well, we've broken down every single series in the first round. We should feel good. Yeah, I feel great right now. Do you? I feel like I've gotten I've gotten something off my chest. Do you? Man, yeah. it, 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 the weight off our shoulders. Well, I want every goal away from this being just an absolute, just a roll, just a, a mess. Calgary can still win this game. I know they could, <laughs> which is which is the wild part. Dallas hasn't had a shot on goal since their last goal. Well, had we known this, this would have been a watch along episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, breakaway. Oh, Corey Perry's so slow. Oh, that was so sad. Wait till you guys see that. That was the saddest breakaway ever. Oh man, Corey Perry. It's just so hard to believe that when Jamie Alexiak had the fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Four guys chasing Corey <laughs> And they catch up. Oh, man. Well, I want to thank Matt Maratea for joining us today on the podcast. And I'm going to let you shamelessly plug whatever you want right now. Okay. Uh, well, if you want to hear more of my incredibly Philadelphia-biased opinions, uh, and then – you know, my very even-tempered West Coast takes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mmaratea22. That's M-M-A-R-A-T-E-A-2-2. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Uh, that can get you on LinkedIn. Uh, that can get you on the Italian sandwich app. Um, and I am also the head writer for the Last Out Media Network. We are a podcast and media outlet uh we're doing a ton of fun stuff if you need a podcast about marvel superheroes about food about sports uh we've got pretty much everything all in-house under the sun and we write about all that and more too uh so check for us there at lastoutmedianetwork.com and also i have my own podcast the Sporting Chance Podcast, a.k.a. Sport Chance Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I talk sports and I review a craft beer while I do it. Um, I haven't talked this much without one before, so I'm starting to get a little thirsty, frankly. <laughs> that sounds like a very interesting podcast. Yeah, that is, that is <laughs> That's something. something else. Listen. Yeah. The higher first, the ABV, the more interesting it gets. As a first-hand <laughs> listener, highly, highly recommend. Well, I want to thank Matt for coming on. Always welcome back whenever he wants. And I'm sure if Philly advances here a little bit, we're going to be talking to you again. Yeah, no uh, problem. I can be t- black correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> new episodes of Touch Icing every Thursday, wherever podcasts are available. And uh, another podcast, me and Eric. Well, I'm a part of Eric's on every once in a while. Too Many Men every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, also available wherever podcasts are available. If you listen to that, we're going to have next week, we're going to have Trish on, Too Many Men, Hammered, given sports takes, that's going to be the whole episode. So tune into that. That should be fun. That sounds like my speed. <laughs> we will see you. Now why he's not Thursday. here? We'll see you next Thursday for the episode of Touch Icing. We hope you enjoy the end of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and the beginning of the second round because it's going to be so much fun. Thank God hockey is back. And I know this is a hockey podcast, but I got to do this. Uh, shout out to the Knicks. Lost the draft lottery. They suck. 
Knicks fans can cry. I don't care. Knicks suck. That's it. So we'll see you next week for another episode of Touch Icing.